Welcome to the Business in Vancouver podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors, and I'm Tyler Ort. I'm Haley Wooden. Now, Haley, obviously lots of talk about this week with regards to the big business news coming out. Yeah, a lot of big business news. We finally have the decision, of course, on Site C, which we've been waiting for for months at this point. So we can chat about that a little later on the program. With us right now, BIV reporter Patrick blenner Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me. The famous third wheel. I'm here. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. What have you been working on in business news? So there's another business story that kind of, I don't know if this flew under the radar or not, but I didn't see a lot of coverage about it, but the ripple effect for Vancouver could be massive. So last week, Seattle City Council approved a memorandum of understanding with Oakview Group. And Oakview Group is this massive company that basically builds arenas and gets sport franchises to various cities all across North America. And uh, they put their money where their mouth is and they have done it and they have a track record, a proven track record. So they basically got the green light last week from Seattle City Council for $600 million redevelopment of Key Arena in Seattle. So what that means is a cascading effect where they're hoping to have the redevelopment done by 2020, which is like really quick for arena redevelopment. I don't know how long Madison Square Garden took, but it was a lot longer than that. So basically what's going to happen is there's word. Okay, now I'm just getting into rumors because I'm a hockey guy and I read all the hockey <laughs> blogs. Sure. There's rumors that the NHL is going to make an announcement sometime either this year before the Olympics, after the Olympics, about either another expansion franchise or relocating a franchise. Um, the relocation would probably be Carolina, who are basically bleeding out right now. They're not putting anybody in their seats. Uh, Florida's not doing much better. But I think Carolina, didn't they have a Houston or, or a Dallas billionaire just buy the yeah, franchise? Yeah. So there's. And sort I think of, they're, they're limited on where they can really relocate, if at all, for at least seven years after the. Uh, it's been purchased. Yeah. And so. there's some sort of wishy-washy around that about yeah. where they could go, where they couldn't go. The other thing is basically, so Seattle is the, I think it's the 13th or the 14th biggest sports market in the United States. The Seahawks, they sell out every game. The Mariners knew do really well, even though they've been horrible for a very long time. They used to be good. I'm, I'm sure Tyler and Haley, you guys remember. The, I, I was actually. Early Ichiro days when they were actually in Ken Griffey Jr. Oh, I was living in Seattle during the uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Days. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was quite the phenomenon back then. So what happens is the first thing that they want to maybe do, maybe we should just say this. What we're getting at though is there is a possibility of an NHL team going to Seattle. That's kind yes. of what we want to cut to, right? Okay, yeah. sorry, not yeah. to, I was beating around the bush there. The other thing is that they could also get an NBA franchise. So if you have the NHL team in Seattle. What happens is that it forces the Canucks to up their game first off because now they have a rival. They have an Edmonton Oilers to their Calgary Flames. And you have basically another NHL team that you could essentially drive to, probably not for like a weeknight game. But if, let's say, the Seattle NHL team played on Friday or Saturday, even Sunday, that's like a two-hour drive. You go down, you watch the game, you maybe shop around, you come back. So, I'm leaving work early that day so I don't have to deal with the border lineups. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is something Vancouver's never had to deal with. So the Canucks have always been the only game in town. And if you have another game in town, it, it definitely complicates things. I like so. competition, though. Yeah, yeah. You know? 
There you go. Well, do you think a lot of people, we do have some bandwagoners, of course, here yeah. in Vancouver. Oh, yeah. what? I know, never. Huh? Do you think they'd really ditch, say, season tickets with the Canucks to go to regular games, even if it's not season tickets with I, some? I think a lot have already the ditched their season tickets yeah. with the Canucks yeah. at this point. Yeah, that's Well, it's point. funny because I haven't checked the standings today, but I believe the Canucks are either in a playoff position or very close to a playoff position. So everyone loves them. So Every, well, yeah. everyone's a fan yeah, exactly. now. <laughs> yeah. Well, since we are a business magazine, let's tackle it from a business perspective. Um, one of the main things is going to be the dollar. Um, how cheap is it or how is it, how expensive is it to buy American tickets? I talked to the Seattle Seahawks uh, fan club chapter that's in Vancouver. And those are a lot of people that definitely have a little bit of money because it's not cheap to have season tickets to the Seattle Seahawks, let alone if you're an American, if you're a Canadian. So you've got that to come into play. Second of all, you have how easy is it to cross the border? Apparently, from what I've heard, it's not as easy as it has been lately. People have been getting stopped randomly, random searches. You've been being asked things like, have you ever smoked marijuana? stuff like this. So there's a Republican in the White House that makes things a little different if there was, say, a Democrat in the White House. Um, the third you need to thing, get a Nexus card, Patrick. Yeah, or get a Nexus yeah. card, yeah. And the third thing I would say is the product on the ice. Uh, Las Vegas bucked the trend this year. Um, they're an expansion franchise that's not in the cellar, which usually doesn't happen. The NHL put a lot of effort into making sure that Las Vegas was going to be good and they got good players. So if Seattle follows the model that Las Vegas does, that team could be in a playoff position right out of the gate. So let's say you got Vancouver in the cellar. All of a sudden, the Seattle team is in a playoff hunt, the NHL playoffs. Man, I would I would drive down to watch. Yeah, the game. I, I mean, I so. think I, I think it's a great idea. Like, I'm far more excited by the th- idea of getting a Seattle team than I would be by, I don't know, a team in Hamilton or or Quebec City. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of that natural rivalry, rivalry just from geography. I think it's just cool. I, I grew up in Seattle. What we do need to figure out the, the most important thing though is what would we call the Seattle team. It has to be alliterative because you've got the Seattle Seahawks. You had the Supersonics. Supersonics. Hmm. Uh, So what would you call the Seattle somethings, right? Seattle. I wanted to say the Seattle hipsters or something like that. (laughs) There's a lot of them down there. Okay. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Some people have been floating uh, the Seattle Sasquatch. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, The Seattle Steelheads. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think Steelhead Trout is the state fish. So there you go. I don't know. That's not very intimidating. Um, Mind you, we are an Seattle orca. Starbucks. <laughs> Seattle. Yeah. I just called the team the Starbucks. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that okay. too. Following the, the New Lions York, maybe. The, I don't know. New yeah, York Red Bulls yeah. path. Yeah. So uh, maybe really quickly, let's touch on the other side of that that you brought up, Tyler, is that the other side of it is that the first thing that the Oakview group wants to get is an NBA franchise. Um, the NBA is a little sort of more lukewarm to having uh, an expansion franchise or relocation in Seattle because obviously the Supersonics left. I don't know if there's a bitter taste there. There's a bunch of other financial things at play. But if Seattle were to get an NBA franchise, I'm pretty sure that it would do totally fine now. I, I think so. As much as an NBA franchise in Vancouver would probably do really well as well. well. That, that's what I want to say as well, because it's been the Seattle or 
the city has changed a lot since the Grizzlies left. Totally. I would just say from dem- oh, yeah. a demographic mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. And I, I think that the city could totally you know, support an NBA franchise here. And I don't know if the NBA would ever be interested in that. But let's say we could get that. I, I think the thing would be an expansion franchise in Vancouver and an expansion franchise in Seattle simultaneously. So you have the even number of teams throughout the distributed throughout the league. Because right now I think NBA has 30 teams. And I think they're looking at a a Seattle NHL franchise because that would help even it out in the NHL because right now we're at 31 teams in the NHL. In the West Coast, yeah. So we we would, you know, I I, I could totally buy, you know, having an NBA and an NHL franchise in both of those cities and just amping up the competition between the cities, the rivalry between the cities. I think that would be pretty fantastic. I can see it, it. It definitely seems like this is the first piece of a much larger puzzle that if everything falls into place, let's say, Oh man, I'm just going to do a horrible ballpark here. 10, 15 years, both Seattle and Vancouver have NBA and NHL franchises. And I could see that being a serious possibility. Vancouver's growth, Vancouver's potential, Seattle's potential. Um, This could be, you know, season tickets for two different teams now. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I know a lot of Raptors fans. I think it's similar to, say, Blue Jays and what the Vancouver Canadians have done here. They've built up a whole fan base culture around the sport. Could be ready for a new sport. The other thing is, like, how big will the Vancouver Whitecaps be in 10 years? Because the MLS is literally just exploding. But that's a completely another podcast. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Patrick, always a pleasure. Do you want to stick around? We're going to talk a little bit about Site C and you can uh, fill us in. Yeah. Is this the last time we're going to talk about Site C? No. no, no, Only just just beginning, Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Well, stick around uh, after the break. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. Manning Elliott has been providing expert accounting, assurance, business advisory, tax, and valuation services to businesses in the Lower Mainland and Fraser Valley since 1952. If you're serious about taking your business and brand to the next level, if you want an accounting firm that'll be there to help you every step of the way, give Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors a call at 604-714-3600 at 604-714-3600 or else check them out on their website at manningelliott.ca. Haley, I think the biggest news of the week has to be the decision to move forward and complete the Site C dam. Yeah. It's not going to be this $8 billion dam. It's going to be about $10.7 billion mm-hmm. right now. And the provincial government, just for those who weren't in the know, they were in a position to either say, yes, we are going to complete this dam or no, we're going to cancel it, which means we've already sunk $2 billion into this project and we're going to have to spend another $2 billion in order to, uh, w- with regards to termination fees as well as remediation for the project. So, it would be $4 billion worth of nothing. That's what yeah. the headline was in uh, one of our business in Vancouver uh, newspaper articles just a few weeks back from Nelson Bennett, our colleague here. Yeah, there you go. The, the third option, I guess, was to just defer a decision and keep it as is without remediating it and paying that additional $2 billion or without committing to moving forward, which I don't think, I think that was the least desirable option because people wanted an answer and we have it. I think a lot of people were expecting them to move forward despite, say, go back into the early days of the campaign where the NDP stood on the subject. I think a lot of people came around to expecting sort of a yes decision from the government. And I mean, they are early into their term now. If they were ever going to do it, seems like now would be the time to make a decision. Uh, a, a lot of reaction saying that it's a good decision. A lot of reaction too about people feeling betrayed by the party and uh, a little caught off guard, I would say. 
Yeah, just from a, well, you know, we've talked about this with other guests uh, prior to this decision, Haley, about how this is maybe more of a political decision than an economic one. Yeah. The economics of one, uh, of this, they're pretty ugly no matter which direction the government goes. Mm-hmm. So what it's going to be the most digestible thing for the government to do just based on, yeah, I guess, political decision making. Yeah, we had Werner Antweiler from UBC Sauter School of Business say this was an economic decision to be made before it was started, right? Put it to review, which it never formally was at this point. Yeah, it was a political decision sort of tossing up potentially sacrificing jobs as well as sunk costs into the project and then pending BC hydro rates that would rise if the project didn't move forward. Although I think there's an economic argument to be made that they are going to rise no matter what. Well, the other thing that's pointed out is just kind of the price of electricity you'd be getting from site C versus the price of electricity from alternative sources like mm-hmm. wind, uh, geothermal, those solar, those prices, they keep going down and down and down. So over the course of 70 years, I, I, I don't know if this is going to be the best economic uh, price of uh, electricity either. So it's, it's making people just kind of question does this make sense? Yeah. I, like I said, it's not pretty What a whatever decision no. the government had to make here. I, I'm just wondering how many nights of sleep John Horgan lost over this because this was like, I was reading Kirk's column about this. This was like you guys said, this was a huge political decision for him and yeah. it was a lose-lose. He would have lost if he said no. He would have lost if he said yes. And he had to take the hit. And I think that's sort of the... The main thing that I'm watching now is not necessarily, obviously the dam's going to go through and that's great and all that stuff, or it's not great depending on who you ask. But I think the real question is, what does John Horgan do now? How does he mitigate, you know, Andrew Weaver has said that he's obviously not going to topple the government, but this is an inflection point for our premier. This is a huge, this is his first I'll, big decision, and, yeah, right? But I'll, I'll say this, Haley brought it up. This is still very early on in the lifespan of the present government. I think this government's very fragile, though. Like this, but you know what? We could be going back to an election next year, theoretically, right? Theoretically, so, but I, yeah. I say that the Greens are very determined to make sure that uh, proportional representation goes through. Yeah, and they're willing to hang on, uh, even if it, it doesn't sound great for their policies. Doesn't really align with their policies. If they have a shot at getting PR. Yeah. I think they'll they'll stick by it at, at this point. But uh, yeah, and that's why yeah. you brought it up, Haley. I mean, this is very early on right now. I think if they stick around uh, as government for four years, they'll have a lot of time to mend fences. And I think a lot of people just forget about it. And I think yeah. a lot of times you're going to be here in the NDB government just blame the previous government on this uh, fiasco, yeah. essentially. Yeah. No. Pass the buck. Yeah. I- Exactly. I think so, too. Uh, Yeah, there's talk that they might lose some votes potentially to the Greens, but I think overall it is fairly early on. It's not going. I think I think they can weather the storm. I don't think anything earth shattering is going to come from this decision. Uh, What about dam busting? Anything dam busting (laughs) coming from this decision? Uh, No, I I Uh, guess not. Dam building. (laughs) There you go. I do. uh, I do have a really sort of interesting personal connection to Site C Dam. My sister owns a a house up there with her boyfriend Mm. in Fort St. John. And they have been on a roller coaster for the past couple of years, basically, because every time they look at selling, every time they look at renting, the realtor or the property manager is telling them we got to wait on site C. We're not sure mm. about site C. Yeah. 
I don't know if you should sell site C, site C. So it's like, it's been a huge discussion in my family for quite a while. And now that the decision's gone through, they had basically a party last night at their house because they're expecting, they've already talked to the realtor, they're expecting the property value on their on their home to go up 20%. Oh, wow. That's what he just said on the phone, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Um, and now you've got at least another, what is it, five years of construction. I could be reading that wrong. Um, I think it's seven years total. I think that might be seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So you've got seven years of temporary work where they can either rent it or they could turn around and try to sell in the boom. So there's yeah. other ripple effects like real estate that are coming in. So it's been interesting to watch my sister go through this sort of roller coaster home ride so the disappointing thing for you though is i understand that your family you have like a 20 dollars spending limit on gifts so it's not like you can expect some great gift from your sister i'm not gonna yeah she's none of that money is gonna come to me Uh, she's gonna she's probably already spent it already uh, so uh. but i think it's it's an interesting offshoot because we were talking about it last night and i don't think there's a lot of people down in the lower main that that have a direct connection to the site sea dam or to that area um, it's a little different when you've got skin in the game. It's right. easy to say, I don't want a dam. I do want a dam or I don't. Do you when give it- a dam? <laughs> You're just <laughs> chock full. The, but, the puns are flooding out. But it, they're, oh my God. But it does bring up an interesting point is that um, this is a debate, a debate for some people who have invested interest. And when you look at somebody like my sister, um, it brings things into question about, uh, you know, is this good for me? Is this good for the environment? Is this good for the economy? So a lot of different things at play. And it's been interesting for me as a family member of my family to see the different debates go on because people actually have, you know, skin in the game. You're not just standing outside City Hall in Vancouver protesting, right? Well, we've heard this has been a controversial project. We hear a lot from people who are against it, but there are, of course, a lot of people who are very much in favor of the project, whether it's for the electricity output or simply because it's going to be work for a number of years, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it depends on where you fall on the issue, but I'm sure we're going to be talking about it a lot more, especially given that it's supposed to over go over budget and over oh. construction timeline. So we <laughs> yeah. maybe have seven years worth of conversations. All right. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to the podcast. Patrick, if, if people want to find you, I guess the best thing to do is go to BIV.com and search for your stories there, correct? Yeah, yeah that's probably the best place excellent, to find me. Excellent. Or else go visit him on his Wikipedia page <laughs> that he maintains himself. True story. No, we not we true, sometimes not update. With, do you guys yeah. update? So you guys put that stuff about. I, I was the one that put like a little mustache on your photo through uh, uh, Photoshop. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. I left it up there. I kind of yeah. like it. I'm going to try it out. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, Haley, though. Uh, you're not on Wikipedia I'm yet. Not, no. Okay. What's up but with that? Where, where can we find you if we want to track down your stories or uh, find you on social media? I'm over at biv.com. That's the only web page I need. Mm, if you want yeah. to connect with me on social media, Twitter's best. My handle is at Haley Wooden. Do you, you have can, a Wikipedia page? Uh, you know what? Uh, I don't. Um, okay. I'm not saying can I. Can I just can I just say Tyler doesn't give a damn about Wikipedia? No, exactly. Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> hey, the dad jokes come. Uh, I wanted to say flooding, but you already took that one. So. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll store that one under your dad joke section of your Wikipedia page. Sounds which we good. update okay, yeah, no. after Sounds every podcast. Good. Excellent. Uh, well, you can find me, though, on uh, Twitter. I'm at Reporton. That's R-E-P-O-R-T-O-N. And I want to remind everybody that this podcast was brought to you by Manning Elliott Accountants and Business Advisors. And thank you all for listening to the podcast that is Business in Vancouver.